Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today, and our series is called Beloved Identity. Uh, I also want to say, as you're getting there, turning to Ephesians chapter 3, the North Life Group also had some news that Ben did not even mention at all, uh, but I think it deserves mentioning, and that is the North Life Group had a missionary come in uh, this week, and he was with, is it Child Freedom Coalition? Yes, Child Freedom Coalition. They raised a ton of money, and they freed a child out of slavery in India with what they did. It's a great organization. Yeah, can we give a hand for that? I mean, seriously. This is now the second slave that our church has freed, so I'm just so stoked to hear that and praise God for that. I think we're going to hear more about this, this organization because it's a really, really amazing that frees children out of slavery, and 100% of what you give goes directly into fighting that, that slavery over there in India. So yes, praise God for that. Well, in Ephesians 3, um, we're going to pick up right where we left off in verse 14. All right, you're probably there by now. But in verses 14 through 21, Paul is sharing a personal prayer of his with the Ephesians. And I love whenever we see a personal prayer in the Bible because it gives us insight on how we should be praying. But this is a man of God who is showing his shepherd's heart. He really is. He, he is showing how he feels, how he thinks about the Ephesians. He's showing that he misses the Ephesians. And we have seen now for the last, ever since we've been in this book, the book of Ephesians, all the way up from verse 1 of chapter 1, all the way till the ending now, we have seen Paul do nothing but explain who the Ephesians are in Christ. Literally, everything about these first three chapters is, this is who you are, and this is who we are as the church. Um, he's really going into describing the identity, and I mentioned this before, but in chapter 4 is the first time where we get some action points. Up to this point, there's only been one command, and it's been remember that you were once far off from God. And from chapter 4 through the rest of the book, he's actually going to start giving us some specifics. Like, okay, now you should do this, because this is who you are. But I really respect, and I love the fact, especially as a parent, that he takes all this time to lay the groundwork of their identity first. You know, as a parent, it's really easy just to say, look, Beckham, Paxton, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't go there. Just stop what you're doing and don't do that. It's a lot harder as a parent to say, all right, let's sit down. Let's talk about this first. This is who you are. This is what you should be doing with your life. And this is why. Isn't it so much easier just to say, straighten up and do right, make your mother proud? Like, you're a Rudy, make your mother proud. No, Paul doesn't do that at all. He actually gives them, this is who you are in Christ. You've been chosen by the Father. You've been redeemed by the Son. And you've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Your beloved identity is something that gives you confidence and humility. Because we see where we came from. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. We saw this in chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, sent Jesus Christ in this world to die for us. Christianity is not about getting rewarded for what you have done. Christianity is about getting blessed 
for what God has done. And that is a reoccurring theme that we have seen throughout the first three chapters of Ephesians. So this is like a nice turning point. This, is, this prayer really puts the capstone on the whole first half of the book. And this really puts a feather in that cap of, this is who I am in Christ, this is my beloved identity, and this is who we are as a church. But you can't miss how personal this prayer is first. So let's begin by reading this prayer. Again, starts in verse 14, and it goes all the way to the end of the chapter. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want to stop right here because I love the fact that this is a prayer of a pastor for his church. And I want you to know, Doxa Church, I have prayed this prayer over you this week. I have prayed it for specifically for Aaron, for Sarah, for Chris, Brandon, Ashley, a number of you. Some of you I've just met today. I haven't prayed it for every single person in this room. But as your pastor, I think this is the kind of prayer I should be praying. And this is the kind of prayer that we should all be praying for each other. It's right here. The blueprint is right here. So let's, let's read this, not just together as, as you listen to me, but like, let's personalize this and let's pray this together as a church, as I read it along. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Say it with me. Amen. That's a prayer. That's a personal prayer, and that is a powerful, powerful prayer. The focus of this prayer is that the Ephesian church might not just have a head knowledge, but that that knowledge of who God is will now be transferred into the heart that we can personally experience the fullness of God. This is, this is unbelievable. This is not out of or not from the riches of God's glory, but it's according to the riches of God's glory. And this is the same kind of prayer that we should be praying for each other. We really should. It's the power of Christ that surpasses understanding. Doesn't that sound incredible? To surpass understanding and to actually experience it? I mean, I know, I know some of you in here probably love to go shopping. But what's better? I mean, and I, I saw some people immediately shake their heads. I know I'm with you on that. Like, for me, shopping is work. I, I, I get that. Uh, not fun. But for some of you, it's like, I love to go shopping because I love to find the bargain. And I love to find this rare clothing item that I couldn't find anywhere else. And when I find it, it's like, yes, I, it's, it's, it's here. I got it. 
Look, it's so much better to experience that than it is just to talk about shopping. It's so, just like it's so much better to experience game day and the euphoria of being in the stands and going nuts at the game than it is to just talk about the game. Now, I'm sure there are some, some like stat heads that love to just get on Reddit and like debate sports stats too. They love to just talk about it. Um, but you know what? That would, they wouldn't have a passion for that if it wasn't for the game day experience. Experiencing it is way better than just talking about it. And if we're going to go from the head knowledge past that, surpass that, and experience the love of Christ, it has to infiltrate into the heart. And that's what we need to experience today. We all need to experience the love of Christ that surpasses understanding. But I know that's a really bold statement that sounds so far off for where we're at living practically in our life. And that's why we need to get into this text today. So all three of our main points are going to spring from this. The Holy Spirit will strengthen your inner being. You see that there? That's the source. It's right there in the text. The Holy Spirit will strengthen your inner being. Number one, to feel the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart through faith. This is verse 17. Look at verse 17 again there in chapter 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. I mean, is anyone in here tired, worn down, weary, stressed out? Yeah, I thought so. It's easy to be that way. It's so easy to get that way. And I mean, what this is saying is, we have to get to the inner being if we want really a solution to that problem. Uh, First Timothy says that, there, that bodily exercise profits a little. And it's very true. You doing those crunches, eating healthy, that's going to help to a certain extent. The plotties and the blueberries, go for it. Have at it. It's great. But that's not going to get to the heart and to the root of your inner being. See, a lot of times we think our problems, we pray this way too. It's this, this surface level stuff. It's this tangible thing that I can feel and touch and hold. So I'm going to pray for this health. And I'm going to pray for this need. I'm going to pray for this solution. All those things we're praying for. When really, we have to go beyond that. And we have to go into the inner being, the heart, which is, which is the Holy Spirit. That, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to change that and who's going who's to conform that. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that though our outer self is wasting away, the inner being is being renewed day by day. That's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. It's so important that we understand our stress, our anxiety out here in the surface level, it's not going to be solved by anything other than having your heart in the right place through the Holy Spirit. We tend to think our problems are external. They're not. Problems are internal. 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to say that um, the things that are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. The problem is not your job. It's not your spouse. It's not your parents. It's not the person at school. If you have anxiety or fear, if you're worn down today, it's because in your inner being, you haven't found the satisfaction of who Jesus Christ is. 
and you haven't made that a part of your identity. So your beloved identity isn't fully realized. If we are living for something external, to climb the social ladder, we're, we're, we're living for our job performance, athletic success, boyfriend, our sexual preference. If you're living for any of those things, making those things your identity, you are missing it, according to this text. This personal prayer is not a surface prayer. It cuts directly to the heart. Be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see that? That's why we got the point? Through faith? Through faith in Jesus Christ? We're still in this section in Ephesians. Next week, it'll be different. But right now, we're still in the section of Ephesians where Paul is still describing our identity. Everything he's saying right now, even in this prayer, is laying out the truth of who you are in Christ. And this isn't a command to be rooted and grounded in love. It's not another to-do. It's not another thing that you check off your list. All right, I got to do this. I got to be rooted and grounded in love. Let me, let me clench my fist and, and make it happen. No, it's not that at all. You already are rooted and grounded in love if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you're in Christ, this is your identity. The tense is, you already have been rooted and grounded in love. You already have it. And in the passive voice here, it says, to be strengthened in this power, this ability that you're strengthened with, the tense implies God is the one who's strengthening you. He's the one who's going to empower you. He's the one. It's not from us. It's endowed by God. So we have to realize, part of our beloved identity, you don't work for this love. You work from love. You are love. God loves you. He chose you. He saved all of those who have repented of their sin, turned to Jesus Christ by faith, and believed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the entrance into a relationship with God in this beloved identity that we've been talking about. And what do you have to do? I already said it. What do you have to do? Have faith. Through faith in Jesus. It's really that simple. And this isn't talking about this dwell in your hearts um, in, verse, in verse 17. This isn't talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling you. That's already happened at the moment of conversion. This is actually talking about something totally different. This is talking about you making Jesus Christ the king of your heart. When we're talking about having Jesus Christ dwell in your heart through faith, this means a believer says, I trust Jesus Christ over everything else. I'm going to take my faith in myself. I'm going to take my faith in someone else over here. I'm going to replace that with faith in Jesus Christ. And that's when you're going to start to see this love of God. That's when, this, that's when everything starts turning around. And to dwell here, when it's talking about Jesus Christ, it's not just in habit. It's deeper than that. It's settling down, becoming a permanent owner. Okay? This is like salvation, your identity in Christ isn't this fly-by-night thing. This is way more than your friend just crashing at your pad for a couple nights. No, this is I'm paying rent now. I'm actually buying furniture. I'm contributing to the dishes. I'm doing all of the above because I am dwelling. I am here in your heart. 
Don't just let Jesus come and go as you please whenever you need him to in your heart. Allow him to dwell in your heart. A great way to, to understand this verse is an article I read this week. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home, and it's by a man named Robert Munger. He wrote this in 1951. You can still find it out there online. And the reason it still is around is because this little piece that he wrote, it's a short article, it's like a little short pamphlet. He describes Ephesians 3.17. You can put that back up on the screen for a minute. Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He illustrates our heart as if it's a home. And you're allowing Christ to enter every single room in your home. So he kind of just goes down the list. He breaks it down this way. The first room is, and, and this is written in 1951, so he calls it the library. We would probably call it the entertainment room. You know, this is where you have the TV, the gaming center, the, the books, the magazines, wherever you are entertained, that room. Invite Jesus Christ into that. Invite him to dwell in your heart in that specific room. And, and he, in Robert Munger, as he has this little, this little pamphlet, he goes right through this, and he's like, all right, you invite Jesus Christ in to your entertainment center, and you start realizing, oh, Jesus is in here. Um, I kind of don't want him to see that one. I don't want him to see that DVD. Uh, let, me, let me put a magazine over that. Uh, let, me, let me realize, whoa, some of my entertainment is actually not really lining up with who I am in Christ. And it doesn't really fit with the ministry that I have been given by God. And it's actually, I'm actually kind of ashamed of some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is worthless entertainment. There's no value in this. It doesn't help me in my walk with Christ at all. Invite Jesus Christ into that room. And then the next room is the living room. This is where you have friends. This is where you hang out. Now that Jesus is also in that room of your heart, you start realizing, whoa, some of this time that I'm spending with all of these people, you know, these people are kind of pulling me away from Jesus Christ. These people are so consumed and focused on all of these other, these other things that I'm losing my, my testimony. I'm losing my witness for Christ. And this is a problem. Let Jesus Christ into that room. The next room he talks about is the workshop, okay? Again, I'm, I'm going to call this like the garage. This is where you have your tools. You're building stuff. You're making toys, um, and Robert Munger goes into the fact that so many of us spend so much of our time, our money, and our energy on just stuff that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. It's going to be trash in like three years. And just put an eternal focus on that in your heart. What am I spending my money, my resources, my time on when I'm making things, creating things? Is it, is it for eternity as well? And then the last room, the last room that he talks about, there's this crazy stench and, and it's like this, this person is like upset. Like, Jesus, I allowed access into, into the living room, into the entertainment room, into the workshop. And now you want this one too. And this, this terrible smell is coming from a closet. And it's where all the hidden sins are. It's where all those things that you're hiding from other people, holding back from. And you have to let Jesus into that area as well of your heart. You have to unlock that door. And, and Jesus is going to come in and say, I'm going to change this for you. I know you can't change this yourself. I'm going to change this for you. The point of this is not to clean up your act before you come to Jesus Christ. Please don't misunderstand me. That is, that is a distortion of Christianity. That's not it at all. 
Like, we can't change without Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit. You come to Jesus at any time, wherever you're at, when you repent of your sin, you turn from your way and you turn to Jesus Christ, that is something that happens by faith. Jesus Christ, once he enters into your heart, once he enters into your life, you have a relationship with him, he's the one now who wants to change you. He didn't save you just so you could stay the same. He didn't change you just so you could keep doing the same old things, hanging out with the same old people. Now, of course, this isn't to say you can't go on vacations and relax and still get to know people who don't, aren't, aren't Christians. Of course, do all those things. But we're talking about the innermost being, your heart. Where are your passions lying? Are they with all these other things of the world? Or are you letting Jesus Christ dwell in your heart? That's where you're going to start to see this love. When you open that door and you let Christ dwell, fear turns to faith. Doubt turns to trust. Anxiety turns to peace. Jesus specializes in extreme home makeovers, and he'll do it in your heart. Some of you probably watch HGTV, and every night you love watching these, these shows where people just renovate their house, right? Guess what? It's better to experience it than it is to watch it. And you can experience it in your own heart when you let Jesus Christ dwell in your heart. Only through a relationship with your creator can you replace that endless pursuit of the next high with a spiritual peace and a love that surpasses understanding. Jesus loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He wants to change you and to do things through you. So you have to ask yourself, are there any rooms in my heart where I haven't opened the door to Jesus? Is there anything I'm holding on to that I haven't quite given over to him yet? I mean, are there some deep wounds that I've locked away that I just do not want to bring up and I do not want to like let it out there and find reconciliation and, and take this to Jesus Christ? Are there some guilty pleasures of mine that I'm just, I'm just hiding I don't want to let people know about it. I don't want to let Jesus know about it. It's going to be holding you back. Invite Jesus to visit every single area of your life, your finances, your politics. You don't have to talk to me about it. You don't have to talk to any, anyone else about it. But you need to be talking with him about it and letting him dwell in your heart through faith. There's another way that we are strengthened in our inner being, and this is our second point. Point number two today is comprehend the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses knowledge. Comprehend it. Verse 18, let's look at that again so you, so you don't lose track of where we're at. Verse 18, root, okay, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. That's, that's verse 17, the end. Verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It takes a lifetime of meditating on this truth before you can fully comprehend it. This is not an easy thing to get. It really isn't. Because no one else loves you like this. I mean, the person who loves you the most in your life whether that's your mom or your dad or your husband, your wife, like, I don't know, the greatest love you have ever experienced 
pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. The greatest love you've ever experienced pales in comparison to God's love for you. And that is not an easy thing to comprehend. The, how, the breadth of it, how wide is this? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How long is it? 1 Corinthians 13 says that his love never ends. How high? Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards us who fear him. How deep? Micah 7. I have a slide for this one. Micah 7. Micah 7 right here. It says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. This is our God. This is his love for you. Praise him. Unbelievable. This is really not easy to totally get, and it surpasses knowledge. It's his, his love for you is bigger than you thought. It's beyond your wildest imagination. It's an otherworldly version of love. It really is. This is, this is from out of this world. And this prayer for, is a prayer for strength to comprehend with all the saints. Did you catch that part? Comprehend it with all the saints? It's going to be impossible to comprehend this on your own. It's going to be hard enough to actually get this lifetime of meditation, but it says comprehend it with all the saints. So there you go. Here's another insight into, hey, I should be in community. I should be in a church where I get to know other people because we can talk about this together. We can pray about this together. We have to bounce it off of each other and kind of talk through it with each other. Comprehend it with all the saints. We live in such a, like, groupthink, share culture. You know, I mean, just look at Wikipedia. Anybody, anybody can get on there and just, like, plug in information, and, and, and we can create these long, complicated articles full of details because it's a group share project. I mean, so much so, it's almost a problem. I mean, reputable media outlets have replaced editors with, oh, we'll just let the mob, the, the, the mob of the public opinion police the standard for truth. It's kind of a problem, but that's the world we live in. Everybody's contributing. We're thinking together on this. Let's do that as a church, right? Let's, as a church, meditate and talk about the love of God that surpasses understanding so that we can start to comprehend it together. This has to go beyond our intellectual facilities, and it has to go into the heart. It has to infiltrate the heart. And this is the last point today. Point number three. Be filled with the fullness of God. <laughs> verse 19, second half of verse 19, that's where we left off. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. Anyone else just feel like, David, this, this sounds pretty impossible. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. You're talking about this surpassing knowledge. I can't get it. I'm not going to be able to comprehend this. 
I mean, wow, this kind of love, what you're talking about. And now you're putting on top of it all, being filled with all the fullness of God? I mean, me? You? Being filled with the fullness of God? Have you looked at me lately? Have you, have, I mean, do you know me very well? How, how is that supposed to happen in my life? I know this sounds like something from an alternate universe, right? This sounds ridiculous in a sense. It's like the sky is purple. I mean, this is the alternate universe type stuff where like, the schools in the upstate put more money into their fine arts program than they put into their sports football programs. Like, this is never going to happen. What are we going to do? Like, how is this supposed to work? Look, nothing is impossible with God. God saved you. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He redeemed you. He called you by name. He gave you a reason to live that is far bigger and greater than you could ever imagine. He has a plan for you that's way bigger than what you had for yourself in your own little world. And he is promising here that he will do something crazy. He will fill you with the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, you have to bypass the brain, you have to go to the heart, and this is, there's no other way to fully experience God's love. There's no other way. As I was <clears throat> prepping for this sermon, I did something this week that I probably should do more often. My wife, Julie, is just a great interior designer, and she was working on this project, and she needed a little extra time. And so I said, hey, that's all right. Beckham's at school. Monroe will be taking a nap at this time. I'll come home, and I'll, I'll work on my sermon at home while, when you can just go out to a coffee shop today. So we traded places, which I should do more often, for sure. But Julie's gone. It's just me and Paxton. Paxton's playing by himself. And uh, as time goes on, I'm typing this out. I'm, t I'm thinking about the love of God. I'm meditating on it all this stuff. And then Paxton comes up to me. He's like, Daddy, would you play with me? I already told him like three or four times, no, Paxton, leave me alone. I'm working. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, <laughs> why don't I experience some love with my son right here for a minute and be the kind of dad that's like practicing what I'm preaching, right? Let's experience this. So me and Paxton, we went out, we jumped on the trampoline, we got on the couch, we played our silly game where I turn on music and he runs by me and I try to tickle him. Like we did that for 30 minutes, it was great. We experienced some father-son like time together with love. And experiencing it was so much better than just thinking about it or just talking about it. I want that for you, church. I don't want us to just show up on Sunday morning we hear a sermon, we sing a few songs, we have this high that lasts for an hour, and then we go home on our merry way and we get back in the busyness of life and we don't experience the love of God. Do you see the recipe that the Holy Spirit gives us here? Let's let him indwell our heart, invite him into all those areas. Let's comprehend through the power of the Holy Spirit something that we can't fully wrap our minds around, but let's try. Let's talk about it with each other. Let's pray again through the power of the Holy Spirit that we may be filled with the fullness of God. When you spend time with someone, you start to be, become like them. Like they rub off on you. 
Just any, any, any person, any facet of life, any area, this is, uh, this is true. I'm not even talking about the Bible right now. This is just obviously true. Whoever you spend time with, that's who you're going to start to sound like, and that's who you're going to start to look like. If you spend time with Jesus Christ, have him indwell your heart, talk to God, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to start to act like God. You're going to start to sound like Jesus. I mean, ladies, what if your husband said, you know what, when I talk to my wife, <laughs> she reminds me of Jesus. She says the same kind of things that he would say. What if at school, the, your classmates and your teachers, they just like, you corner them and you interview them and say, hey, what is someone so like? And they're like, wow, they remind me of Jesus Christ. Like, this is amazing. That's like, doesn't that sound like a Christian? <laughs> like, this is who we should be. God wants us to get to know him, to talk to him, to have a relationship with him so that we fulfill our potential of our beloved identity. That we don't forget who we are in Jesus Christ. And look with me how Paul ends this entire prayer, verse 20. This is a great ending to a prayer, and I think we should close our prayers more often like this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Yeah, I know. You think this is, this is definitely beyond us, right? But it's not for him. According to the power at work within us, the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing way to end this prayer. These are the prayers that we have to have. We have to pray this way, church. God, do something that I can't do myself, that only you can do. Surpasses my knowledge. It's beyond my comprehension. God, I need you to do this. Far more than you could ever ask or think. This is the kind of stuff from an alternate universe. But you know what? We serve a God who is not like us, we serve a God who loves us and who has a big-time plan for us right here in this world today that that's, goes beyond this world. It goes beyond what's going to happen the rest of the day, the rest of the week. It goes all the way to eternity. This sermon is about you allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, he empowers you. And when Jesus Christ enters the throne of your heart you then will fully comprehend and feel his love. And then that is going to change you. When Jesus Christ enters, it, his love changes everything about you, and then that's when you're filled with the fullness of God. It, it's one step after the other. And when you are filled with the fullness of God, that's when the Father is glorified, right there. As a church, this is what we have to do. And, and I love how we see our name again. Our church name is right there in verse 20. Excuse me, verse 21. To him be glory in the church. We talk about this all the time. But the word glory is really everything that is true about God. All of God's attributes are his glory. His love, his justice, his mercy, his patience, his kindness, 
All of those true aspects of God are his glory. And when we live those out, we are glorifying God. Um, I, got a, I got a gift uh, given to me just a couple weeks ago. It was a commentary on Ephesians. Awesome, awesome commentary. Um, I don't know what I would do without this commentary. It's been so great. But it's, it's by a guy named Harold Honer. And he's actually talking about doxa right here in his commentary. I, I want to throw this quote up for you. Um, doxa co conveys the reflections of the essence of one's being, the summation of all of one's attributes. In this context, it specifically refers to God's splendor, power, and radiance. And that's what we get to share. What? This is unbelievable. But this is true. We can be filled with the fullness of God. This is our identity. What a beloved identity that is. You reflect the power, the splendor, and the radiance of our great God through all generations forever and ever. Worship team, you can come up right now. I want us to sing about this. This is not just something that you can read in the Bible and say, that sounds great, but it'll never be for me. No. If you were in Christ, if you were accepted in the beloved, and you have a relationship with him, this is for you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you know what? This is for you too. You just need to trust him first. Have faith in him. Start your relationship with him today. There is nothing holding you back. So often we think, oh, well, if, if I come to Jesus Christ, if I let Jesus Christ take the throne of my heart, I'm not going to have fun anymore in my life. I mean, it'll just be this killjoy, and I won't be able to do what I want to do. That's a complete lie from the, from the pit of hell. There couldn't be anything further from the truth. Knowing Jesus Christ and allowing him to reign in our hearts and experiencing that love is the most freeing thing on this earth because it's not of this world. It's from another reality. And God wants that reality for you today. Let's stand up, church. And let's sing to the praise of his glory. Soul undeserved. 